Okay, if you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. I'll be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard Him and were taught in Him, as truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Blessed is the reading of God's holy word in direction for His people this morning. And so, Father, to that end, help me teach, help me say, help me represent this passage of Scripture accurately. Help us hear the wonder and the beauty of what we read. Oh, please help us love it. Please help us put off the old man who constantly put on the new. For we love you. Do it to the glory of our Savior, we ask. Amen. Being a Christian is not like going into the voting booth and choosing Jesus over not Jesus and make sure that you punch the right hole, the Jesus hole. And I did it. I'm a Christian. No, the Christian life is fundamentally a change life. Those who claim to, I punched the hole on the ballot, I asked Jesus into my heart, but live no differently than the world or differently than the way they previously lived before that faith. They need to examine their lives to see if they have been made a new creation a new creature. If they have been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen carefully how I word this. Being, I didn't say becoming, but being a Christian requires turning away from your former manner of living and life. It requires, in other words, repentance. And repentance is not merely a one-time event. Back then, I did that in 1981. No, repentance, which is the essence of faith in Jesus, is this lifestyle that is defining your new creation from the heart, working its way outward. Salvation at the core, is about God mercifully changing us at the moment of our conversion by God the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and bringing new life, new taste buds, new desires for God that were not there before. And thus it is the ongoing process of being transformed into the image of Christ. That's a Christian. You remember how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 3? Talking about believers now. We were darkened. We couldn't see anything. And then God mercifully shone the light. We came alive and He says, And we all, with the darkness is gone, the veil is gone, with unveiled face, are looking, are, are beholding the glory of, 
of the Lord. And thus we are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. Because this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's a Christian. Now, okay. last week in this passage, we concentrated on verses 17 to 19. Where Paul gives the command to the church. No longer walk or live as unbelievers live. Now, in verses 20 to 24, he just continues on. And what he is saying is the reason that you are to no longer live like an unbeliever is because that's not the way you were taught. That's not the way you learned Christ. If you heard truly of Christ. His, his reason is, that's not the Christian life. And so, just in a synopsis, what we saw Paul unfold last week is that our foundational problem as sinners is the hardness of our hearts. And that leads, that hard heart leads to a darkened, untrue understanding of reality. Of who God is. And that result, that, that, that result, that, that darkened heart results, Paul says, in ignorance of some of the smartest people on earth. It results in not knowing God. And thus not knowing the most basic and most crucial thing to know in all of existence. And he said that that ignorance of not knowing is the cause of us sinners giving ourselves over to sensual desires, lustful ways of living, impurity in all kinds of ways. It works itself out. And that's what Paul means by don't live like unbelievers in the futility of their mind. In other words, don't live, which is natural, as you're born into this world. I desire. And so I follow the natural desires. I have a desire for autonomy. I have a desire for loving money and toys and stuff it gives to me. I have a desire for sexual immorality. Or I have a desire for upstanding, clean living to raise my family, to school my children, to build my business, to coach the soccer teams of my kids and then die. And none of it was connected to the meaning of all things. It was totally disconnected from the kingdom of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a futile, wasted life. And every single one of us in this room is in that condition until our eyes are opened to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Until, thus, we are changed internally. When that happens, the hardness in the way it was before, the darkness in the way our minds were before, the ignorance that we had before, the separation or alienation from God that was our state, vanished. We are reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. That's last week. So what I want to do then, again, to catch us up now, I'm going to start reading from verse 17. 
and then flow it right into verse 20 as we make our transition this week. Hear the word of the Lord. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. In other words, if you are a professing Christian, that lives that way? Do you have any, any, any understanding of who Jesus really is? Do you have any knowledge of Jesus Christ? Paul says, that is not the way you learned Christ. But if you are a Christian, then what we have here this morning, verses 21 to 24, Paul says, this is what you learned. This is Christianity. This is the teaching of Christ. About Christ and about the work that Christ does in those whom He is saving. And so he lays it out. Start with verse 21. Assuming that you have heard him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. To do what? Here it is. Here's the teaching. To put off your old self. Old man is the word. Your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And you're taught, therefore, what? To be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. That is, the self that has been created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says, that's what you have been taught, if you have been taught. So, in verse 20 and 21, it begins it this way. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard Him and were taught in Him as truth is in Jesus. Now, ESV translates it, assuming, do it woodenly, it is, if indeed it's true. So it's as if Paul is saying to them now, maybe... If you are living according to a pre-Holy Spirit indwelling, a a pre-conversion manner of life, then maybe you have not heard the voice of Christ calling you. Maybe you have not been taught the truth about the life-changing work of Christ in salvation. So, here's Paul's assumption about what a Christian is. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard Him. That's how it should be translated. I, I don't know why the committee on the ESV decided to put in the word about. It is the verb to hear. 
And the object in the accusative case is the pronoun referring to Jesus or Christ. You heard him. They wanted to say about him and knowledge of him. They could have done that very simply. I mean, Paul could have done that. You have heard him. He means Gentiles there in Asia Minor, when missionaries came and they preached Christ, the gospel, to you. Unlike your neighbors and family members, they heard the same thing and it didn't happen to them, but it happened to you. In that gospel, you heard God. You heard Christ call you. That's what he's driving. He's saying a Christian is the person whom God, in the hearing of the gospel, God opened the deaf ears. By the Holy Spirit, so that they heard the great shepherd of the sheep. You remember how Jesus said this in John 8? Why do you not understand what I say. I got the answer. He says. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason you do not hear my words is because you are not of God. The changed life. It begins when God opens one's ears to the Savior Jesus in the hearing of the gospel so that I hear it. And what happens? Faith. I, I, this is a really? This is not a joke? I mean, what you're telling me? You're, you're telling me this is. True about Jesus? Suffering and dying? Rising from the dead? Would I win? Oh, this is the greatest news possible. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. What do I do? I need that field. That's what a Christian is. It's not a voting booth. So in other words, Paul is saying that the the, found, the foundation of escaping what he's been talking about, the darkness, the hardness of heart, the ignorance that leads to just following the sensuality of your nature and working its way out in your life pattern. He is saying at the core of breaking that is a miracle of hearing Jesus. And then sitting under the teaching of the gospel of Christ. I'll read it again. But that's not the way you learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. See, that's why Jesus throughout His ministry said things like this. My sheep, they hear My voice. Take care how you hear. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. That's why He speaks that way. Those who have been made alive to Christ, who have, therefore, in other words, they've come to Christ, they're excited to sit under the feet of Jesus and His apostles and be taught, be conformed to His image. The truth at the core that Paul lays out here then about what they are taught, Paul unveils it. In verses 22 to 24. Put off. Okay, we don't use this. I put off my clothes. But that's kind of what he's saying. Take off your clothes. 
take off the old self. You need to find it. What, what old self? Which belongs to your former manner of living life. And that self is corrupt through desires in you that are deceitful. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And, okay, you don't just remain naked. You put on new clothes. Put on the new self, the one that has been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so he says, the truth that is in Jesus is that Christians are taught to take off, take off, take off old clothes, put on new clothes. Not... Put on new clothes over old clothes on Sunday and be fake and pretend. Take off, put on. In reference, he says, to your former manner of life and your darkness and everything he laid out there and your ignorance, in reference to that, Christians consciously take those clothes off. But I've been a Christian 35 years. Take them off tomorrow. That's what he's driving at. So what does he mean? He uses, of course, here the word, literally, take off the old man, put on the new man. Self is a good, good translation. Take off your old inner self. Put on your new inner self. Take off the old clothes, put on the new clothes. What? Old clothes is pretty darn clear, right? That's what he meant in verse 17. Don't any longer walk like you used to. Are you born again? Don't walk like unbelievers, like Gentiles. And then he, he confirms it here. The old man that is your former manner of life. But you know what Paul goes on to do? I'm just going to taste it for a second. Because in verse, starting with verse 25, he goes on to just give examples of what different kinds of shirts and pants and clothes the old clothing is that you are to take off. Starting with verse 25, and I'm going to skip around and, and leave some things out for speed-wise. We'll come to this. But if this is how he starts to lay out old clothes and then you see pieces of the new clothing. He says, therefore, having put away, it's the same word, Having taken off falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. There's the new clothes. Falsehood is the old. Because we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let the thief no longer steal. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among Christians. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And therefore, do not even associate with such. For, for at one time... You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 
For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So Paul gives us a taste. He illustrates what he means by taking off the old clothes, the old self, putting away corruption, putting away sin, putting away immoral practices like lying, stealing, bitterness, sexual immorality. And notice. In his illustrations, some of these are, they manifest themselves outwardly and affect other humans. And then there's others of this clothing that are just internal, like bitterness, anger. I mean, it could be expressed outwardly, but it also could not be. So, the old person is the internal and the external practices that come naturally to every person born a human being into this world except for Jesus. It is the essence of, I mean when I say essence, it is the essence and the totality of who we were before new life in Christ. That's the old man. Put it off. The new man, the new self, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in a minute. It's what he said. You've been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Where does a desire to want to walk in righteousness towards other human beings and holiness towards God, where does that ever come from? God. That's what it is to be born again. That's who God is. And so when God comes and He infuses Himself into the human dead soul, all of a sudden they have new desires. They're God's desires. That's how Paul says it here. You were created in the likeness. Of God. And so, as a Christian, you might ask, what am I supposed to do with my life? A lot of times we mean those on macro levels. What am I supposed to do vocationally? Or maybe some kind of a Christian activist, maybe. There's all kinds of things to do. Yesterday, what I think it's yesterday, was National Adoption Day here in America. And, of course, Ronnie, and I hope she is used to even convince more people to consciously think about stuff. There's kids that have no families. There are babies still being murdered in wombs. We can go on and on. Lots of things. I don't know what your calling is. I don't have an answer for you. We're all made unique. Let me know what He calls you to on those things. But... On a personal holiness level, I do know what every Jesus lover is called to do. We are all called to constantly take off the old clothes of acting, feeling, and desiring like unbelievers and we are to be putting on the new self the one that has been created in the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness of the truth that's that is your calling and so I just want to like Pull back now and think, okay, got to be very careful here. Because I, I think I know Paul better than I knew him a few years ago. You can actually know dead people if you read them. And it's, I think that Paul has got a very clear reason 
for why he uses word pictures here. In other words, why he's talking about kind of clothing that you, you put off and clothing you, you, you put on and then what we're going to see, what he says in the midst of it. Okay, He does it because Paul has zero interest in creating legalists. He has no desire to give a list of ten do's and don'ts that we can outwardly see, very good, you did those. He's not about that. Paul, in his own mind, was that before his conversion. Christianity is not a fix it up on the outside of the cup while letting the inside of the cup remain dirty. I heard that from someone somewhere once. See, Paul is about the power of the Gospel. He's about the power of God's grace. The power of the Holy Spirit producing new desires for new clothes. And it starts from the inside. And it works its way out in practice. That's what He gives us here. So, He's got this... Word picture. Take off, put on. Verse 22, take off the old self. Verse 24, put on the new self. Verse 22, the old self is the one that is being corrupted with futility by its deceitful desire. Verse 24, the new self is the one that has been miraculously recreated. A new creation in Christ after the image of God who has come to dwell in the heart in true righteousness and holiness. Literally, in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Deception in verse 22, the truth in verse 24. And Paul really wants us to see this. Because he has no interest in merely getting people to conform to outward do's and don'ts. Paul is not saying here, come on, you believe in Jesus? Great, you're a Christian. Okay, here we go. Step two, pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps and stop loving to go to drunken parties. Stop Loving, reveling in worldliness with the world. Stop committing sexual acts of, with persons who you are not married to. Stop slandering. Stop holding grudges. That's not what Paul is about. He's saying the stopping of those practices, that former behavior, those, the, the new clothes of a believer is that you're different. Tap into it. The Spirit of Christ lives in you. Or, as Paul would say in Romans, right? Or you don't belong to Him. He goes to the new creation and put on the new self, the one that has been created after the image, the likeness of God. How? It's created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. See, Paul says, God creates through the Gospel the new me. The me that now I'm in Christ. And that new me has new desires that are created in me after God's own likeness. We have been created new in righteousness and holiness. 
Meaning, what is new is new desires. Not, you, now you used to only have deceitful, lying desires. It would feel so good if you just told that person off or murdered them or slept with his wife. Oh, if, you know, you're, you'd be okay. You'd be more happy. It is very deceitful. And then he says, though, no, you have new desires you didn't have before. It's for righteousness, which at its core means justice and how you deal horizontally with other human beings. You wouldn't want them to do that to you. Well, then don't sleep with their spouse. You wouldn't want to be the cause of Judgment Day for that person in committing fornication with them. As Paul says, this is the reason the wrath of God is coming. So why would you help them out in that? By being the person with whom they commit fornication. You don't want to be stolen from. Why would you steal? That is all of our natural desires. But then he says, righteousness, desires, I don't want to do that anymore are in competition with the old man. And then the holiness, which really has its core, no one's looking, but it's between you and God. In holiness. You love Him. You actually talk to Him when no one's looking. You actually listen to Him in the Scripture when no one's looking. Because you care. That's what He's driving at. Now, and it's good because this question came up on Wednesday night. It home grew. And I just ponder, therefore, oh, how do we, okay, theologically and in my own practically life, is this going to work out? Because if we just follow Paul's thought here, okay, he tells us that new birth, God does a miracle, and he creates in us new desires for righteousness and holiness because that's the essence of truth all the other desires against that are deceptive or lies he says okay but God creates those in us they're in us right so just wake up and don't worry about a thing then I'm a Christian but Paul goes on to say no you need to wake up Every day and do something. Take off the old clothes and put on these new clothes. That's Christianity. And you know, and that's what Paul already said, if you remember back in chapter 2, verse 10. After he makes it so clear that the way you become a Christian has nothing to do with any changed acts in you. But then if you are saved by grace through faith, the next thing he says is, for we are God's workmanship. Listen to his word again here. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God Himself prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's where Paul's coming from. He's saying this is all God's work. And that's why Paul won't merely set out do's and don'ts. He does set out do's and don'ts. And so does Jesus. But not without qualifications of understanding how it works. Paul won't do that because he's not about just cleaning up the outside of the cup. While inside it's disgustingly corroded with all kinds of futility. Paul is about the gospel, the grace of God and its power. 
He is about resurrected spirits, human beings who move in happy, laying aside the old man. Who, who beg, oh, I'm being overcome. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus, please rise up today. Blasted desires leave. Christians, they fight that way. And that's why the Apostle Paul the one who is most thoroughly, by God's plan, laid out the gospel of justification by faith alone, apart from any works, has no problem saying in Philippians, Christians, oh, if you hear the gospel that I, Paul, preach, hear me carefully. Work. Work out your salvation with fear. Fear the old man. Fear those deceitful desires that are within you. Fear them. Hate them. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because here's the great news. It is God who is at work within you, both to work and to will in your life according to His good pleasure. That's His call. That's His gospel. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught the truth about Christianity, Alright, so what's the application then? I mean, how? <laughs> got, got any help, Paul? How do we go about daily taking off those clothes? Oh, I can see them creeping up on me and putting on the new clothing. Okay, get real. In other words... Christian, say that you find yourself for the last three weeks having no drive, no desire to pray, to even worship the Lord, commune with the Lord. Your heart is hard. What do you do? Or, or, or say you have no desire to hear preaching or to discuss the glories of God in Christ revealed in Scripture with fellow believers. I'd rather watch a ball game. Or maybe you find your cold heart convicted when you hear Paul's words from this larger passage when he says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their mind, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice all kinds of uncleanness. And, oh, you're convicted. What do you do? What does a Christian do? In other words, how do I put on the new clothes that would match what Paul says, I've been recreated to be in the likeness of God. What he says, I've been created to think about and feel and will differently. How do we put on the new person who has been created in the likeness of God? The answer is, is right here in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's what verse 23 is doing here. It comes right in between 
Take off the old, put on the new. And then, verse 23, be renewed. Keep changing your mind, your desires. Because as he lays out the battle, these two polar opposites are going on in a Christian. Verse 22 and verse 24. And if you find a tension in a battle in your life, that's a really good sign you're born again. Verse 22, put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Our problem with our sinful desires of the old us is just there that we're supposed to put off. And the danger of it, and this is where you've got to follow Paul. He's purposeful in his language. The danger of this old person in its desires is that they are Clever. They're deceitful. People don't use it. They don't fall for scams knowing you're deceiving me. That's why they're deceitful. They work. They are deceitful, deceptive. They'll give you enough information. Yes, it will. You'll feel really good for the next two weeks. They don't tell you about for eternity. It's our sinful desires, he says, that come through lies. Deceitfulness, deception. And they're trying to continually corrupt us. Well, you know, Lying to that person, it's not. It's not so bad. I know I'm committing fornication with my boyfriend, but, but you know, look, it's different because we're in a committed relationship. They're deceitful. Desire. Our desires the old man corrupt our thinking by twisting the truth into deceptions and then we follow after it but on the other hand verse 24 and put on the new self the one that has been born again say that or created. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the new or new creation in Christ. He means it. So, something at the core of your consciousness is your, 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 your unique being that God created has changed in new birth. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Truth. Righteousness and holiness of the truth versus deceit. Full desires of verse 22. The new creation of our inner being, he says, what's different in a Christian is we can now see. We can see and taste the truth of holiness and righteousness. Why? By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. He has caused us now, once in darkness, now in light, to be in touch with truth, true ultimate reality, who is God, our pleasure. And so, that's part of a true Christian. In verse 22 is the other part of the true Christian. And we're in a battle. 
And so again, how do we fight the battle? How do we fight the corrupting desires versus desires for righteousness and holiness and joy in Christ? How do we take off the old and put on the new and walk in righteousness and pursue holiness? The answer is verse 23. It is the constant, purposeful renewing of your minds. Renewing of the spirit of your mind. And commentators, what does he mean? And all these ideas. I'm going to give you my shot at it. You see, there is a spirit of the world. There's a way in which one... It just follows after the spirit of the age and the world. That The Apostle John says, if that's how you just walk in darkness of the world, then the love of the Father isn't in you. In other words, listen to how Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 for a minute. He says, for we have received not the spirit of the world, But we've received the Spirit who is from God so that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So, there's a regulating principle in all cultures, in all times of this fallen, sinful age. And every one of us who is a Christian Our old man is directly in line with that spirit of the world. The world says desire and the sin nature, the old man within us says yes. It's there. And so Paul says, that's why now as a Christian, You need to constantly, purposefully renew the spirit of your minds. What do you mean? He's got to be meaning the truth that comes to your mind. Now, guess what though? You're born again. Before you were, you could hear the truth. You could be raised in this truth and be on your way to hell unless you turn. But when you're born again, it's because the Holy Spirit has caused you to taste of the world of God. The spirit of that world. And that's why you are now in conflict. And therefore to win the battle is to constantly renew your thinking to the truth of the spirit that He gives in the Word or Do not, as you take off the old clothes, you are not to be giving in to the spirit of the world, which your sinful desires would just become harder and more callous and say, yes. But you are to be of the truth, as Paul says it here, of righteousness, of holiness. And what this means is that this process, this biblical renewing, cannot bypass the mind. It's more than the mind, but it is not less. God reasons with us through the truth of His Holy Word. As new creatures, His doctrine about himself, about sin, about your old man. His directions on how you are to live as new creatures, we know they're true and we know they're right and we like them. And then the old man says, I don't like that. Who's going to win out? Depends on what you fill your mind 
in your soul with today. And so putting on the new self is to constantly fill our minds with truth. With spiritual truth. Starting at the unseen God who made all things. And then who clearly manifested Himself through the prophets. And then finally visited us personally in Jesus Christ. Who suffered and died to put away your guilt. So that you can be brought into the experience of God's Spirit. Now and in the resurrection forever. To be just like that man who was raised from the dead. Our champion. To If those things are not tempting to you, you might not be born again yet. I want, listen to how Paul just talks about this Christian life. In 2 Corinthians 4, start with verse 16, Paul says this, Though our outer self is wasting away our physical body, oh, is that more and more true? But our inner self, you same words, inner man. Okay. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this, in this mortal life down here, for this light momentary affliction of this short 82 years is preparing for us an eternal wait. Of glory beyond all comparison to anything down here. Now watch the how Paul, how are you being renewed and driven that way? He says it. How? The next verse. As we look. You gotta be looking. As we look not to the things that are seen, but we look to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are they're temporal. But the things that are unseen, they're eternal. That's how you renew your mind. We believers being renewed day by day as we fill our minds with God's glorious heavenly future that Christ purchased for us. As we relish in the unseen realities that Jesus came and purchased for us to experience in part now. Oh, but in consummated fullness then. And to the extent at a given day, that's what you're doing. You're relishing in a conversation with a brother or a sister in Christ over the Scripture. At that moment, someone says, Would you like to follow the Spirit of the world? It would be to you like they're saying, Would you like to have this dry, cold, hard, tasteless rice with dirt sprinkled over the top instead of what you're doing, eating a double-double burger with fries and a chocolate shake. Your new clothes are on at that moment. That's renewing our mind. Do you, that's how Paul prayed for us in Ephesians chapter 1. Do you remember? So listen to it closely now in this context of what he's just told us. I pray that you would be having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Why? So that you may know you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. That you may know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. 
What He's got for you. Because He's inheriting you. Do you get it, Paul says? I want you to see it. So you'll know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. You see, the reason that the Apostle Paul wants us to see these things with our hearts ongoingly, that he wants us to see them with the spirit of our minds, is because that's how we are being renewed. That's how we're being empowered, propelled to walk in righteousness and holiness. And that is putting off the old self. And so, Sovereign Grace, my plea for us sinners, yet justified in Christ, is go on. Go on tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Go on allowing preaching, allowing gospel-saturated book reading, allow the ongoing thinking through your open Bible, allow it to cause you to be released from the spirit of the world by the Holy Spirit and the Word producing new thoughts, new joys, new feelings, new attitudes, new hopes, and new practices. See, when you are doing that, I promise you, smoking pot will be a boring idea to you. Unappetizing. When you're glorying in Christ, fornication will be like a fire ready to burn your body up. That I would take Jesus' parts and sin that way. Fleeing from the desires of deceit like the sensual pleasures of sexual immorality drunkenness, of bitterness, of the worship of money and things, of slander and unforgiveness. I feel so good I'm not going to let that person be released. No, no, no. Fleeing from those sensual desires is the new natural. As believers are being renewed in the spirit of their minds. It's the new self. Because your desires will say, you got to be kidding me. No, 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 you don't. Come on, are you all religious or something? Come on. You, you have to be kidding me. You think that is more appetizing than the contemplation of the Holy Trinity to me? To be in a group of believers and discuss this text? You haven't tasted and seen what I've seen if you want me to go have ten shots at your party right now. You don't get it. Help us desire. Obey the command to desire as you gave to Peter. The pure milk of the Word. That we may taste and see how good it is 
to our soul. Help us abandon man-made, worldly, godless wells where there is no water, but only mirages, deception. Oh, may we drink from the well of eternal life. Your Son, Jesus, by the Spirit that He has granted us to walk in true righteousness, right doing, obedience, joy in the Holy Spirit, and holiness unto You. Thank You, Father. For these things we pray in confidence. For Your Son has purchased them for the church. Amen.